We're back again. It's time for another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. I am Charles, and as always, I'm joined with my good friend Joe. Evening, everybody. So, Joe, another topsy-turvy week in the NFL, especially for some of those top seeds. So why don't we jump straight into it? It's looking really open in terms of that number one seed for the NFC, and probably you'd argue the AFC as well. So where do you want to start with this one? Really, really tight up the top there. Multiple teams could take the top seed in either of the conferences. It's really hard to call at the moment. Injuries are all going to play their part for the rest of the season. I think that rather than trying to call a top seed, rather than say who's going to make it through to the playoffs, what I'm looking at more now, what I'm taking stock of, what I'm really trying to see, is teams who can consistently put three or four wins together and look less likely to have one of these upsets that seems to be plaguing a lot of teams. Because ultimately, when it's playoffs, it's playoffs. You're going to be playing three, four games and you have to win every single one of them. So I think there's a lot of teams who on their day could win a Super Bowl, absolutely. But to get there and to win that game, you have to have that kind of consistency. And that's where it's slightly harder to find teams at the minute. I think really it's going to matter in a couple of weeks' time as we're getting kind of through Christmas around that point, you're going to have to look at the form teams. There's form teams right now, but some of those form teams have been abysmal teams at other points during the season. I'm looking at you, the Chiefs. I'm looking at you, the Patriots. There's a lot of football still left to be played. Let's see who the form teams are in a month's time. Yeah, and I think because the competition has been kept so open throughout the season, you are actually seeing that teams that have started off very poorly, as you mentioned, Chiefs and Patriots, are not just still in it, but leading in their divisions. There's been enough competition to allow teams that, towards the beginning of the season, we were saying, look, you've probably only got one or two more losses left in you and then you've got to consider yourself out of the race to now be front runners in their division. So it's uh, it's really been a season of high competition. And I think, as you pointed out, consistency is going to be that element that separates ultimately those that have a successful postseason and those that struggle. So the Patriots have won their last five games. The Chiefs have won their last four games. You know, these are teams that have made comebacks who are now looking pretty strong. After that, Colts have won their last three games. And I've got to put my hands up. I was pretty low on the Colts, but they've been playing pretty well recently, you know, driven by Jonathan Taylor and some of the other weapons that have got in that offense. Little kind of thing that I've just seen here. That's, that's a little bit shocking. There's not a single team in the NFC who have won more than their last two games. No wow. team holds a free win. Yeah, that's that's a little surprising when you think about how good some of those teams are. But I mean, like, you know, you think about the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had almost gone a month without a win until they beat the Giants on Monday night. So no team in the NFC currently has a win streak of three games. And do you think that injury is playing a major factor in that? I mean, the NFL, you've got to account for injuries every single year. You know you're going to come against them throughout the season and and depth is a major part to the success of any team that makes it all the way to the end. Do you think that it's a particularly bad year for that that's causing this inconsistency? Or do you think it's just a, a case that these teams are, are maybe more balanced than they were last season? I don't think injuries are having an impact overall more than, you know, any other season of the last few years. Obviously, certain teams are feeling the injuries more than others. And, you know, I'll put my hands up and say the Packers. The Packers are going to be a team that are facing the injury worries more than most. But as a whole, as a league, no. I I think that 
it just really seems like the parity this year is so much more there. Teams that were perhaps the stronger teams in recent seasons, and also much been found out, but teams are catching up with them and working out how to overcome them. We, we, we saw that with the Chiefs in the first few games of the year. We've seen that at times with the Buccaneers this year as well. So, no, I think it is parity more than injuries, Charles. Which I think as a as a fan of the league, you have to say, is a fantastic thing to witness. It's been a really enjoyable season to watch, although maybe less so for me this weekend. Should we dive into the Green Bay and the Vikings game? Because I feel like we've got to discuss it. Yeah, let's jump into it quickly. Uh, look, I'll, I'll start us off here. I'm going to say hands up. It could have been a very different result had a couple of things gone a slightly different way. Had Savage held onto that ball two minutes left, Green Bay would have sat on it and it would have been game over. So, you know, we're, we're talking millimetres here. We're, we're talking very, very fine margins. Ultimately, it was the Vikings that won. How do you feel about that, Charles? Yeah, I mean, I, we spoke about it last week. We both said this is very much a game that the Vikings could win. It's within their capabilities, knowing the injuries that Green Bay had. But I don't think necessarily that the loss was totally down to the injuries. I don't think it's the kind of thing that you can just walk away from and say, oh, well, yes, but, you know, we had our two edge rushers injured and Jones was injured. It didn't really necessarily come down to that. Okay, maybe you could argue Cousins had a little longer to throw the ball than maybe he would if we did have Gary and Merciless in. The pass rush wasn't great. When you look at some of the... Well, look, I'll throw a fact out there. Justin Jefferson became the first player this year to have 100 yards receiving in the first quarter. No player in any game has done that this year. Green Bay allowed that against Justin Jefferson. And, and you know, Justin Jefferson's a great player, but that shows how open he was getting. Three passes, 104 yards in the first quarter. That's what Green Bay were giving up. The pass rush just wasn't there. It's a weird one because uh, having watched us now through 10 weeks, <laughs> as a fan, I kind of feel like we're allowed a really good offense or we're allowed a really good defense, but never both <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it was a great defensive performance against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think a light has been shown on that slightly with really how bad the Seahawks team are. So you can't overread into that. But you're right. The defense weren't playing up to that standard. Offensively, you know, Green Bay put 31 points on the Vikings, so they didn't have a bad day at the races there but probably lacking a little bit in terms of, you know, Jones not being there and Dylan now having to carry that full workload. Yeah, but then you mentioned that. Dylan didn't see much of the ball at all. We really didn't turn much to the run game. And that's not the first time that we've seen that in a loss. And I understand that game script changes when you're chasing the game, but I still feel that we rely so heavily on Aaron Rodgers to just find big broken coverage plays to get us back in the games that sometimes we neglect some of the fundamentals and I think that can at times work against us yeah I agree there Charles just to close this off Vikings are now 5-5 quick question I'd like to ask you questions one team in the NFL this year has led by seven points or more in every game they've played who is it oh good question um Bengals? No, it's the Vikings. The Vikings have led by at least seven points in every single game that they've played this year. Wow. It, yeah, at least five of those games they've given that up. All five of their losses have been by 
less than a score. Vikings, uh, look, this is probably my bias talking as a Vikings fan. Uh, I almost know it is. But the Vikings, I would probably say at the minute, are the best team with five losses in the league. Give me another team with five losses who are better or who have more capabilities in, ter in terms of beating good teams than the Vikings, and I'll probably disagree with you. You know, the Vikings have beat the Chargers and Green Bay in the last two weeks. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've said a few times now, so many of those losses were really, really close. You know, it's a missed kick or it, it was uh, the last second of the game where you just kind of lost it. I don't think this Vikings team is a bad team at all. I think where they've struggled with is consistency and occasionally a few silly mistakes at certain parts in the game. You know, you nearly saw it towards the end of, of this game. But yeah. I think, for the most part, they're a very talented side that just need to find a bit of form because, as we've seen, Jefferson is immense. Thielen is an absolutely fantastic wide receiver. You've got Cook, who sets the running game alight. You've got a solid team there. It's just not always gone your way this season, that's all. And we're finding, though, that more and more that's happening across a lot of teams, as we've discussed earlier. You're not getting the same pattern of teams just steamrolling all the way and, and things are just it feels almost on the toss of a coin going one way or the other this season it's really exciting yeah well the Vikings have got seven games left they've got the Lions once and the Bears twice so divisional games are never easy but you'd probably expect them to take three wins there there are some harder games there's Green Bay again at Lambeau there's the Rams, there's the Steelers, and there's the 49ers. So it's it's looking like a mixed bag for the rest of the season. But Vikings currently sitting in that sixth seed. Obviously still a lot of football to play, though. Now, I mentioned there that the Vikings have got to play the Bears twice. Will Matt Nagy be in charge when they do play them? Oh, do you know, there's two things to say about this. I have been saying since very early doors that I thought Nagy was on his last legs. I'll be honest, I'm I'm surprised he has lasted as long as he has. But then I also discovered today, which I didn't realise, the Bears have never got rid of a head coach during, during the, the season. season. So, yeah. again, you kind of think, well, are they going to be brave enough to kind of break that tradition because that's a real statement if you've never done that before in the history of your organization to suddenly pull the plug on it now is a really big call but personally I think the longer they leave it the more it's hurting the team well there's conflict in rumors I'm not sure if you've heard the latest news that's broken the last couple of hours Charles but the rumors are that he's going to be fired after the Thanksgiving game Win, lose, or draw. Which I did read about, but then it also feels like that's a really weird thing to have been leaked, if true. It's who's leaked it, it's where it's come from, but it's at a point now where every sports game in Chicago, the fans are trying for him to be fired. Yeah, at the Bulls game in the NBA. <laughs> Bulls game, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure that the owners will do what they want and aren't going to bow to just pure fan pressure, but... It's becoming such a distraction now, such a distraction. And, you know, he was put on notice at the start of the season. There were lots of fans who didn't want him coming back. And the GM turned around and said, look, we've got to see progress. We've got to see progress from the guys. We're, we're giving them a chance to go out there and prove themselves. And it's been abysmal still. It's It's been terrible. The only team worse than the Bears, with a worse record than the Bears in the NFC, are the Lions. The Bears are the 15th team out of 16 in the NFC. 
who will delightfully be playing one another on Thanksgiving. I mean, that that's probably one that people would rather suffer through a meal with the in-laws than have to watch the Lions and the Bears. Yeah, but if we see some Bears embarrassment, maybe, <laughs> I would find it quite funny if a Lions did win. That would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> this is true, yeah. So we'll see, but look, watch your space. By the time we're talking next week, we could be talking about successes in Chicago. And then last week, Joe, obviously we, we mentioned Cam Newton and we spoke about his use by the Panthers in these kind of Taysom Hill type run package plays and things like that. We said, would his role evolve? Will he start to get more involved? Your feeling was that ultimately he probably would. We certainly saw that in this game. Was it a success? Obviously, they lost. You can't necessarily always put that down to just Cam alone. There's there's a lot of factors involved. But do you think he made a good showing of himself? Of course, they lost to Washington football team, who, in fairness to them, beat Tampa Bay the week before. By no means was Cam Newton bad. Cam Newton wasn't bad at all. You know, he threw for over 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I think he scored on the ground as well. Cam Newton wasn't bad. Well, the issue was, though, the issue was a two-minute drill. Now, it was a close game. The Panthers still could have tied it up with the last drive of the game. They turned the ball over on downs, and after the game, Matt Rule said that Cam Newton, coming back to the team, wasn't familiar with the two-minute drill and the plays that they were going to be calling during that and what's expected during that drive, which is quite shocking, really, to admit that. Because ultimately, yes, Cam Newton wasn't bad. He played well. But ultimately, if that is the case, then Cam Newton being on the field and Cam Newton not having that understanding was a huge factor in the Panthers not tying the game and not taking it to overtime. Yeah, and surely you've got to think in a situation like that, that's on you as the coach putting him in. You know what he is capable of. You know... Can and can't do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if there's any concern around his ability to understand and know the plays and execute them well, then you have to make that call whether he's the right person to put out there on the field. And you've done that. So you you can't really turn around and go, well, Cam doesn't know everything. That's on you to keep him out of the game if that's the case. On the flip side, though, had they taken Cam Newton out, put PJ Walker in, then PJ Walker went through an inception, True. we'd probably be chastising them for the opposite reason. So it's one of those calls, they made the call for the reasons they did, and it didn't go the way they wanted. But we don't know that it would have been any better had they gone the other way. But look, still, Cam Newton was the quarterback. There was no kind of Taysom Hill-esque usage with him. He played the full game, started 100%. Let's see how that works out. We spoke in detail last week about how damaged Cam Newton has been at times. But then again, if they don't have any faith in PJ Walker and they don't see him as a starting quality quarterback to be that one-two punch, then they probably might as well just run with him like they are. So we mentioned the Bears and Detroit earlier on. They're not the only losers playing on Thanksgiving. Every team playing in the Thanksgiving games, there's three games on Thanksgiving, one at half five, half nine and one twenty UK time. Every single game has teams made up of losers from week 11. We've got the aforementioned Bears and Detroit in the early 5.30 game, the Raiders against the Cowboys in the middle 9.30 game, and then the Bills and the Saints capping things off late into the early hours of Friday morning. Charles, what games there are you excited about? 
I think for me, I'm quite keen to see the Bill Saints games because the Saints, look, I'm not really viewing them as a, a strong contender playoff team. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get this out there. No one's taking the Saints seriously, really, are they? They're 5-5 five, five now. They've slid quite far back. Yeah. Um, but they they might they have caused upsets in the past. In. Yeah, they might yeah. sneak in. Yeah. They've caused upset in the past. They've beaten some what you would consider strong teams. The Bills have lost a bit of consistency recently. They were flying high at the beginning of the season and they're starting to lose games with a little bit more regularity. This is something that I need to see from the Bills if they're the Bills that are going to have a strong playoff run is you can't let yourselves get upset by a team like the Saints because really this is what you were saying at the start of the episode which is you need to be looking at teams that aren't going to make these mistakes because it's one and out when you get to the postseason so this is where we need to start seeing the consistency from these teams that uh, you'd say traditionally wouldn't pose as much of a threat. The biggest concern for me with the Bills last week in how they lost was that it was in every phase of the ball as well. The offense was terrible the defense was terrible. Special teams in particular were terrible. There's a lot of work that has to happen across that whole team to raise their game from what we saw last week. Actually, we mentioned last week that the Bills were currently equal Super Bowl favorites. They were the bookies' favorites. They're clearly not right now. But if they want to kind of get themselves into that conversation once more, we're going to have to see a market improvement on every phase from what we saw last week. That's it. For me, the Bears and Lions game, they're two teams which are really on the down and out. And I'm watching that purely for the spectacle of seeing who can embarrass themselves the most. But this game is, I think, the one that we can probably watch and take the most from it in terms of playoff picture. Then other games to mention. We've spoken about the AFC North a fair amount. Every time there's an AFC North divisional match, it just seems huge. And we've got two of them this week. We've got the Steelers against the Bengals. We've got the Ravens against the Browns. You know, depending on how these games go, we could have any manner of team topping the division, coming bottom of the division. There's so much going on here. So many close teams. What I would say, just one thing on all of this, that draw that the Steelers had with the Lions is really going to haunt them. Not just in the AFC North, but in the overall AFC conference playoff picture. Having a draw being half a win, uh, when you've got so many teams who are around the same record, they're going to have to really fight hard now to get themselves more solid in contention. Yeah, and it's smart that it's against the Lions because they're a team that has done nothing but lose to every other single team. So, you know, you'd say, okay, if they came away from a matchup versus, I don't know, the the Ravens, or if they, well, no, because they're a divisional uh, competitor, but if they came away from a, a matchup with the Green Bay and they took half a point, you could say, actually, that's not too bad, but the the Lions, you got to be winning that. Well, it was a manner of it as well, just having had so many chances. I don't want to rehash things we're talking about. That was a terrible game, but it really is going to haunt them. And I'm going to say this now, Charles, I can see the Steelers missing out on playoffs by that half loss they had to the Lions. It really could happen because this is such a... It really could happen because it's so close. Because these teams are taking points off each other left, right and centre. There's one win between every single team in this division and they seem to be exchanging wins and losses and and beating one team one week, losing the next week. So that half a point could be absolutely pivotal and critical. 
But I'm really looking forward to watching both of these matchups because we are getting now to that stage where it is becoming vitally important. And I'm hoping to see, you know, maximum effort from the players. But as well, this is this is occasionally that point in the season where you start to maybe see when it gets a little bit tight, some of those special trick plays, some of those unusual packages that coaches pull out to to try everything they can to get that vital important divisional win so i'll be keeping my eye out for anything a little bit unusual in those games i mean just to sign off giles the biggest shock of all the topsy-turvy games in week 11 was probably the titans lost to houston that probably wrecked a lot of people's accumulators not many people would have predicted that before the game started and not in that manner as well because it was quite a comprehensive meeting it wasn't even close now Coming off a loss like that, they probably wouldn't want to be coming up against the four-win straight Patriots, but here they are. This is a kind of defining game for the first half of both of these team seasons. If the Titans win against the Patriots, this re-emerging Patriots side, it shows that they are still serious. The Houston game was an aberration and abomination. You can just put that down to a bad week, same as Green Bay and the Saints in week one, if they beat the Patriots. If they don't, you know, that's two straight losses, probably losing that first seed. Everything looked rosy in front of them, and uh, it's coming down. On the flip side, for the Patriots, they're on a good run, four games straight. They beat the Titans, a team that many had as a potential first seed. It shows they really are a serious team, that they're beating the best teams in the conference. They're not just bullying, you know, the same old divisional rivals of the Jets and the Dolphins like they always do, and they always probably will do. No, they're serious and they're beating the best teams in the AFC. So this is an absolute pivotal crossroads, definitely act one definition game for both of these teams. Yeah, I think that we've seen a lot of the success, recent success that the Patriots have had has stemmed from their defensive performance. Now that that's become very established over the last few games, and you do have to look a little bit in terms of the competition that they faced, but if that is cemented and established, what we now need to see is the step on from the offense to be taking down teams like the Titans. Now, I do feel that this is more important for the Titans than it is the Patriots. The Bills are really their only competition in that division, and they're not firing on all cylinders at the moment. The Titans are maybe not a team that necessarily the Patriots are expected to beat. But for the Titans, this is vitally important, I think, especially when we spoke about their position in the division at the moment and their easy running. They want to be making the most of that. And if they lose now to the Patriots off the back of their loss to the Texans last week, that could be the start of a bit of a confidence knock and a a bit of a slippery slope. It's amazing how quickly things can change. You go back a week ago, the Titans had a two-win cushion as the first seed and were about to play Houston. Now they have a one-win cushion and are about to play the Patriots. (laughs) It's amazing how quickly things can still change, which is why I think it's a fool's game, really, to try to pick first seeds, second seeds, all of that right now. Let's just start to be looking at those teams that can string games together, who have that consistency, who can win three to four games straight, and pick up that trophy, because that's all that's going to come down to in January. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, for our listeners in America, we wish you the most happiest of Thanksgivings. Enjoy the turkey and all the other nonsense you have with it. To everyone else around the world, enjoy the Thanksgiving games. Free games on a Thursday, it's an absolute blessing. 
I'm looking forward to it, Charles. I'm sure you are as well. We're going to be dining out on football, Joe. (laughs) Absolutely dining. Give me an extra serving. And I'll see you next week. See you next week.